Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. This is New England Soccer Weekly with Tom Quinlan, Nick Giuliano, and Mike DeSilva on 790 The Score. Our second show of 2023. Welcome in. You've got Nick. You've got Mike D. Tom is off this week. New England Soccer Weekly, 790 The Score. Our first show, Mike, we literally hit on everything. And we're going to talk about a lot of those things today. We've got some guests lined up. But week two, New Year, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Uh, a lot of uh, MLS preseason began this week. Most of the leagues around the world really back up in full swing now. Uh, I know a lot of domestic cups have been happening around the world, so it's been fun. It's been fun to kind of, I feel like now we're, we're finally let go of that deep breath after the World Cup and we're back into things. And luckily we're going to have the MLS season Right around the corner, we're going to talk with Sam Minton from the Bent Musket, who has been up with the revolution at training this week. We're going to talk about all those different moves and what he's hearing later in the show. We have our first international guest, I think, since we've joined the show on New England Soccer Weekly, Mike. Excited to talk to this guy. Yeah, Nino Torres from Gold TV does play-by-play for multiple leagues around the world, including my favorite league uh, that I follow the most, which is uh, the Portuguese League. And Nino, I got to say, when I told uh, I told my dad that we were going to be doing an interview with you today and he he was fired because he's a bit we're big Benficistas. So, you know, right. when we watch you on the play by play, you get fired up with the Eagles and you just you just fire us up, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I, I literally enjoy my job. It's just it's just a blessing. And I, I just I get to do what I love and, uh, and enjoy it. So. Let's start there. How did you get into broadcasting and get to the place where you're at right now in your career? Oh, well, it's long. It's been a long ride, but uh, it's it's crazy. Back in that, let's let's start from the beginning. I'm a I'm a journalist, a sports journalist, graduated from the uh, from University of Utah here in in Peru, and I, I went to the states. And then in 2010, uh, the Columbus Crew uh, they needed um, a, a radio reporter for the. Uh, for the weekly show or for the weekly games. And I did, I need a sideline reporter in Spanish. So they, uh, they got an open audition, uh, for all the, all the fans, you know, and, uh, to go out there and an audition for, for the radio. And I, uh, ended up, you know, getting the gig from there. It's kind of like a American Idol thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just, uh, earned my spot there in the, in the radio. I did radio for covering the Columbus crew for, uh, for the first season. And then uh, the the uh, communications director uh, found out that oh, by the way, you got a degree in journalism. You want to write for us? Yeah, sure, I can. So I just started to write uh, the uh, all the Spanish content for the um, for the Columbus Crew. And then I uh, the more gigs came up. Uh, got a, ended up writing like for three different outlets uh, in the states. And in the last couple of seasons, when I was there. 15 and 2015, 2016, uh, we, we started in, in Columbus, um, um, uh, a TV station, a Latino TV station. And uh, they called me uh, to do the, uh, the the sports show. So I got my, my show. It was, um, uh, what was the name again? Nino Torres something. I forgot the name of the show. So I was doing a weekly show in Spanish. 
I was writing in English and I was doing, uh, man, it was a little, doing a lot of things. And then I be, went back to Peru uh, by the end of 2016. And uh, it was, it was shocking, man. It, it really, it, it was shocking because uh, I thought I made my, made up a name for myself in, in the States. But when I came, when I come here, uh, Nobody knew who I was, man. It was mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm a tourist, you know, from the Columbus Crew. Like, what's the Columbus Crew, dude? What, what, what is that? <laughs> what's that team? What is that? Is that a baseball team or something? No, no, it's not. I mean, you know, Andres Mendoza, Peruvian player, playing. Oh, okay. You know, AYN, yeah, yeah, we, we, we don't know you. But know. <laughs> I just I got to I gotta do what I got to do. And I got to find out a couple of jobs here in uh but at the same time, I was doing my networking, going, calling people, sending resumes, and uh, for like two years. And um, one day, uh, a friend of mine from from college, uh, I gave him my resume, and he called me like six months later. Hey, Nino, uh, you got time to talk? He sent me a messenger. That was at my office, and like, oh, this is the call. This is the call. Mm-hmm. You know what, guys? I'm gonna step out. I need to take this call. Went outside, got the call. What's up? Hey, uh, Nino, can you call games in English? Yes, sir, I can. Never done it in my life, right? Uh, of course I can. Oh, okay, because there's, there's an audition here for Gold TV. I was like, really? Okay, I'm, I'm in. All right. They called me. I went to the audition. And I was just, I got it from the, from the first, from the first, from the first audition. I, I got to do three, right? But then after, when I got the job already, like a year later, the, the producer told me, um, it, we, 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 you nail it. From the first audition, you just nail it. And we knew you were the guy. And like, boom. Five years later, here we are, guys. Five seasons on Gold Man. TV. Insane amount of, of games a year. I'm doing like an average uh, 250, 275 games a year. It's crazy. And you know what's even crazier is anybody who watches any of the games that you call, you know that why that you got it on the first audition is because you just have a, just a, an unmatched energy and knowledge of the game on top of that. Uh, now, I, my, my next question is, so you're broadcasting the games from Peru, correct? Yes, uh, the, the, the production company is based in Lima, Peru, and uh, we, uh, we do all the, uh, all the content for, uh, for Gold TV. And in English and Spanish here uh, in Lima, based in Lima. So uh, as a commentator, you know, especially play by play and, you know, you, you do it all. Um, you always you always imagine that you kind of feed off of the energy by being at a stadium. What What is it like kind of calling a game from a remote location, watching the game, you know, like the rest of us at home? It, it, it's just it's special. It's special yeah. because, uh, you know, I got my, my booth and I just got all soaked up in the in the uh, in the atmosphere of the of the games and i uh i just i just uh, myself i picture myself like i mean i'm in the stadium you know mm-hmm. that that's that's the feeling that i have you know and i and i'm studying a lot of course i do a lot of prep uh matter of fact i, I got a the game today what what time is it one one forty eight at 3 p.m we got the uh we've got the dutch cup the uh, Ajax is playing today, which is obviously one of the you know bigger clubs in, in uh, Holland. So, is it is it easier for you um, with certain leagues because you cover multiple leagues? It's not just you know one league here and there. It's, it's up to what four or five leagues now that you're you're, you're doing games for. Yes, we're doing uh, the, the Primera Liga. We do the uh, Ecuadorian league. 
we do the Uruguayan top flight division, we do the Peruvian top flight division, and we do the uh, KMBV Cup, the Dutch Cup for the for the Netherlands. So it's a lot to get into. Is there a particular league? Because I know obviously the one I watch you cover the most is in the Portuguese league. And uh, is that because that's a league you see so much talent, especially from South America. You know, Benfica is known to have scouts there and, and bring in so many like right now, Enzo Fernandez. Um, what's it like kind of, you know, growing up Peru and then seeing these guys come overseas to play in the Portuguese league to then go on to bigger leagues? How is it calling games and seeing those guys cross over like that? Uh, you know what? It's it's, uh, it's it's more common now. Before I'm, I'm talking about I don't know 20 years ago, it, w- it was so rare for uh, for young talents um, from South America. If if you're not Brazil or Argentina, right? Because th- those guys are <laughs> it's a different story with those. But uh, on this side of the of the of the continent, on the, on the Pacific side, the, the Ecuadorians, Colombians, Chileans, Peruvians. Uh, it, it's it was so special for us to see our young players uh, landing in, in, in leagues that they were not the I don't know the the, the leagues from Poland or, or or Cyprus or those kind of leagues. You know, going to actually a, a league that is is uh, it's not almost elite. I want to say it's the top six league mm-hmm. in in Europe, the, in the Premier League, and now they're the, the players here. Uh, they they have the uh, it's no longer a dream. It's, it's, it's now a goal now to, to play in Europe. We're talking with Nino Torres from Gold TV on New England Soccer Weekly. I'm going to ask you some international type questions. Let's first start off with the World Cup. And this is something that you've covered for a long time in your career. Some are saying that this, with the storybook ending for Argentina, might be the best World Cup of all time. What were your overall thoughts on this past World Cup? It was spectacular. It was just spectacular. And... um I don't know if it's the, the, the best ever because it, it's, it's so hard. It, it's so hard, but it's that is the best of this century, no doubt, for me. No doubt that this is the best World Cup since, uh, I mean, because the, I want to say, yeah, Korea, Japan, 2002. Yeah, this is the best one of the of the millennium, if you want to call it, right? It was special. And I got to say something. I don't know if you, I, I said it before, you know, they, they here at the at Gold TV, people was calling me crazy because I um, I said that uh, Argentina was going to win the World Cup back in June of, of, of last year, right? And they were like, "No, you know, you're nuts! Don't don't buy into the dream! Don't buy into your undefeated uh, streak!" Uh, and you know, remember the last time they were so spectacular? They get out of the group stage in uh, Korea, Japan, uh, 2002. I mean, Argentina came into that World Cup destroying rivals, destroying, I mean, dominating the, the South American qualifiers and they got out in the in the group stage. But I knew this one was the, uh, that it was meant to be for Lionel. I have no doubt in my mind and uh, and it did happen. I don't know if you, you, you brought, you, you showed the video here, but uh, let me, uh, let me show you my, uh, my bracket here. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. There it is. There's the proof. I know you can't see this on radio, but we're looking at it. That yeah. that is real. That happened. Oh my! It was how it accurate was, were you on the bracket all the way through? You know, you picked Argentina to win it all, but how how was like some of the semifinal matchups? Uh, semifinal matchups. Uh, I didn't know. I didn't think that Croatia was going to beat Brazil. I, I thought the matchup in the semifinals was Brazil Argentina. 
But uh, on Morocco, of course, nobody had Morocco. Nobody Come had on. Morocco. If you told me you got Morocco, you're lying. You are lying. And, you know, it kills me. You know why? Because, I, you know, I'm my, my parents are both born and raised in Portugal. So I'm first generation here in the United States. So, I, you know, I, I follow Portuguese soccer in, in Portugal and, you know, national team. Man, that killed us. We, we That was a tough day. But Morocco, you got to give credit to where credit's due, man. They had a game plan. And uh, Portugal just, once again, didn't show up in a game. And after scoring six goals the round before that, you think it all, oh, this is, this is going to be, it should be easy against Morocco, but Hey, that's why you play the game, man. It is. It is. That's, that's why the game is, is so special. I, uh, I always say that in my broadcasts, uh, you can, uh, and like, like for instance, this to, to make an example out of the Premier League, right? Uh, Marichimo beating uh, Sporting yeah. on Sunday. I was, it was a, a no-brainer. Yeah, put all your money on, on Sporting. Okay, uh, those guys that put money on Sporting on Sunday. Uh, I'm sorry for you guys. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I, was, I was rooting. Uh, as you know, I was rooting for the underdog on, on these kind of games. And now we have a Peruvian player on the on Marichimo, Persilisa. So I'm, I'm rooting for Marichimo to maybe, maybe escape out of relegation. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, hey. So the entire second half of the season uh, yet to play it. One more thing back to the World Cup. Internationally, I mean, we broke down the U.S.'s performance getting out of the group stage. Obviously, the next World Cup here in the United States. But internationally, what did you think of this U.S. team and what you saw at the World Cup? I, I know I, I know Berhalter, right, and from, from his time in Columbus. In, um, uh, this is a guy that is, is, uh, is such a smart guy, such a smart head coach that you guys have. But the, the reality the reality is that uh, the, the U.S. Uh, the talent that they have is not at the uh, at the international level that it, that it should be, uh, or the international level that I that the uh, the fans and the media in the U.S. think the U.S. Uh, should be by now. But, it, but they're not there. That's 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 the truth. The, the, even though the, the the spectacular progress of the MLS, of the expansion and everything, all the money that is, is flowing now into the MLS, it, it's just um, the, the, the competition for, for, US, for the U.S. To, to, uh, to compete at the international level, you need to get your players, your top players should be playing in top, not only the top leagues, but top teams in the, in, in the world. If, you're, if you have at least five players playing in top teams in the world, you're not going to win the World Cup. There's no team in the history of the World Cup that won the Cup or reached into the, uh, into the Final Four uh, with, with, with players, uh, at least five of the 11, playing in, in top teams in the world. And, and that's not the case uh, with the U.S. It, it, it's, I mean, it's incredible progress now uh, with the, the U.S. players, but uh, outside of Pulisic, you, you tell me who's, I mean, give me, give me three more names that, that, that you can uh, name off this roster that the play in the U.S. for this World Cup, playing for Barcelona, Bayern, Juventus, they don't have it. They, they don't have it. You, you need to raise your level, you need to raise the bar for, for the U.S. talent in order to uh, compete in the uh, in the world's biggest stage, and now I'm, I'm, after the World Cup, I heard this many times, and I don't know if you you uh, agree on this. I, I don't think it's the case, but uh, many many um, TikTokers, Twitter, mm-hmm. Twitter guys, send yeah. this. If our best athletes would play in the national team, we'll smoke them. 
you know, let's 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 get all these those running backs from the NFL. Let's get LeBron. No, no, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Soccer has a special skill set that you have to have. And you add that the of course the the the, the athleticism, the, the preparation, and the and the commitment and the discipline, and you add all that, you got the whole package. But it's not like any athlete can play soccer. Well, Nino, that brings up a good question, uh, especially with you being international, growing up in Peru, South America. It's a lifestyle there, right? And now, like you said, athleticism doesn't make you a good soccer player. You know, it, it doesn't produce great soccer players, but with the amount of resources that we have in this country, which you would you would say is more than the majority of the world, right? Uh, what is it? You spent some time here, you know, covering the Columbus crew. Did you see anything at the youth level, at you know, at the, the high school, college level that's, that you could tell is like, wait, this is wrong because in Peru, we don't do it this way and we produce more quality players? I, I just uh, got many reasons, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you, I don't know if it's, if it's the main reason or not. But especially in the, if you go into the NCAA uh, uh, rule book for for soccer, uh, you know in, in the NCAA you can play you can play uh, you can make eleven substitutions. You know that, right? Eleven substitutions in a soccer game that's that's not soccer. Okay, that's not soccer. Then the the effective time you, you stop the clock. You, we don't stop the clock. Mm-hmm. Stop, I mean those are small details that, that make you play different have a different approach to the sport. That's not the sport. That's not soccer. Now, that's one thing. The other thing is that um, why, why, and I've I seen this a lot because I, I not only play right about soccer, I also was a referee in the uh, Sunday Leagues. Uh, there's there's a lot of, of, of uh, what is this, of cockiness. Mm-hmm. On, on 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 the sport that uh is is I'm not gonna say it's a new sport, but it's not uh it's not at the core of the uh, American fan of American uh, you know population. It's, it's gaining space in in their hearts, but it's not it's not the essence of who you are. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh they, they were that's that's one thing, and the other thing is um this this is this happens everywhere, not only in the states, right? But um. Uh, that's my son, the connections, you know, hey, this is my son, can he play? And then they, you, you block talent. And, and of course, also he who puts more money into the, into the tournaments and, and, and everything adds up because it is, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's just un, un, unforgivable to have a 300 million people in a country and you cannot get 11 guys to play at the, at the elite level. I don't buy it. I yeah. agree. Yeah. I mean, that last point, I think more so than anything is that we, we have resources here, like the more than majority of the world, you know, you have third world countries and countries that are very poor who produce some of the best soccer players in the world with, you know, access to, to, to way less than what we have here yet. We can't do it. And it's because they're always looking for the money. I think the issue is where everything here costs so much. You want to, you want to be exposed. You want to be play in front of some of the best talent, some of the best quote unquote scouts. Well, you got to pay to get there. Some people can't afford it. So you lose out on the talent. And, and I think that until that changes, you know, you can't see a, a country of sadly 300 million people produce uh, a, you know, a quality soccer team. 
So let's wrap up with this, Nino, for the MLS purpose. You're someone who covered the league, as you said, with the Columbus crew. Has this league made strides, in your opinion, as we head into the 2023 season, or is it stagnant? Is it still the same? No, 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 no. Of course, uh, there's an, an, an evolution, but uh, it, it just it takes time. It, it just takes time. and uh, and But in I want to say in the last decade, the MLS uh, it made a gigantic steps to what an elite uh, league uh, should be. That the proof right there is Seattle Sunders winning the CONCACAF for the first time. That's that's major, major, major progress for the U.S. Now they got to back it up. They got to do it again and again and again until they dominate it. Once they dominate that, they need to play. I don't know how is that going to work because, you know, the logistics and everything, but uh, the, the, the real test for, for teams is, is the Copa Libertadores. Okay, Copa Libertadores in, in South America, it's just the most brutal uh, club-level competition that it could be on this side of the world. Because the teams that they win their championships in, 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 the, in the countries, once they go out there and play the Brazilians, play the Argentinians, play the Uruguayans, and, and, and you feel the difference in, 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 in the level of, of talent, the level of, of competitiveness and the level of speed in the level of tactics of the game that are for, for now to bring an example for you now for us in, in Peru uh we got Alianza Lima which has won the title twice back to back they haven't won a single group stage game since 2011 in wow. the couple not one game not one why is that you know it's because they uh they uh they buy the players to win here. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, all the resources, uh, we're not focused on winning the championship. They're not thinking that we're going to focus on winning the Copa Libertadores. And uh, especially the, the amount of money that is gaining from Copa Libertadores is ridiculous. $37 million is the price that Flamenco and their uh, earned for winning the, the, the Copa Libertadores. $37 wow. million. All right. You, you, can, you, you can you can do something with that, right? You could definitely do something with that. Absolutely. And that's kind of how, you know, when you look at it in Europe, it's similar. Like you have some of the smaller leagues, you know, that may have a, a champion qualifier, that one, one, one group stage match, you know, so they're not really benefiting financially. They're basically just supporting a team that could win their domestic league. And I guess that's now the point you're, you're making is that's kind of what's happening in, in MLS at the moment. But we'll see if it's something they can build on with Seattle winning the CONCACAF and, and dominate in, you know, the next five to 10 years, maybe we're having a different conversation. Of course. And now, now they're going, uh, they're going to play the, uh, the World Cup, uh, the, the, the club World Cup, right? The club World Cup. Yeah. And, and that's going to be a real test for, for, for Seattle to see where they really stand because there's one thing winning in CONCACAF and then, it's a completely different ballpark out there outside of the neighborhood. So for people that want to follow you, Nino, how can they go about it? Yes, all across the board is at uh, ESPNino74, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, anything. And I highly recommend catching some of the games that he calls on Gold TV. I know this sun, this Sunday, Nino, it's a big one. You're going to be calling that oh, game? Yeah. Yes, sir. You know it. Benfica Sporting this Sunday uh, on Gold TV. Check it out. Listen to my guy Nino Torres. Nino, we love this. Was awesome, man. We're definitely going to have you back on as long as you'd like to be on, and uh, we, you know, we'll chop it up again soon. All right, sounds good, guys. I uh, thank you. I really appreciate for uh, for having me on the show, and uh, 
uh, the best for you and a big hug for, for everybody out there in, in New England. And speaking of New England, Sam Min from the Ben Musket is going to break down all things New England Revolution. We'll talk about it after the break. You're listening to New England Soccer Weekly. You've got Nick, you've got Mike D. Tom is off this week. More next. It is New England Soccer Weekly. You've got Nick, you've got Mike D. Tom is off this week. Show two of 2023. Appreciate you listening on 790 The Score and on the podcast. And we want to thank Gold TV's Nino Torres. Mike, great to talk with him. That, that's my guy. You know, that is your guy. He was beaming here while we were doing that interview. I could I could feel the energy. Well, because you know, when you watch I watch the games at home, he covers the Portuguese league. He does the, he does he's on the call. And me and my dad go nuts. He's just high energy, he fires us up. How so, pumped is your dad going to be? He's going to be he's going to be very pumped. Well, he's going to be pumped about Nino. He's also going to be pumped about our next guest as well from the Bent Musket, our guy Sam Mitten. Sam, happy hey. 2023, bro. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, Definitely ready for the Shrev season to get started. Well, there's a lot to talk about, a lot of off-season moves, but let's start off. I want to get your thoughts on the World Cup. That's something that we've been asking people as they come off of this great World Cup, Argentina winning. But what was your overall perspective on the last World Cup? Yeah, it was definitely very exciting. Obviously, I'm a U.S. men's national team fan first. Uh, so, obviously, it was nice to see them get out of the group. Would have uh, liked to see more Gio Reyna, but, you know, that happened. Uh, but also, too, I'm a big Brazil fan. Uh, my wife's Brazilian, so that was really disappointing. Thought they had a chance to go all the way. Uh, but I'm happy for Lionel Messi. Really would have loved for my guy, Kylian Mbappe, to uh, get another one. But I'm happy that Messi solidified himself as the GOAT and... uh was able to get that World Cup. So you've been up at Gillette with the team this week as we're getting close to preseason and the regular season is like a month and a few weeks away. So what are your early thoughts on this Reds team and and the energy that you felt being there with the guys? Yeah, there definitely, you know, seems to be some excitement, you know, even from, you know, players who might not necessarily be starting, but it was really good to see some of the new guys. Uh, we got to speak with Latif Blessing and Dave Romney. Really nice to get to talk with them. Um, obviously, there's a whole situation going on with Latif Blessing and his family. Uh, basically, he hasn't really been able to see his family at all. Um, he can go over to Ghana. But, you know, we got to learn today that the Revolutionary are trying to help him uh, get his family over here to the United States. That was partly why he ended up leaving LAFC. Uh, so it was really great to talk with him with him about that. I will admit, he was a bit shorter than I expected, but you can definitely see in the game where he's just really fast. Going to be, you know, a great addition. And I'm excited to see what he can do. He had some minutes drop off against, you know, when he was out in LAFC. So interesting to see what will happen here in New England. And with Dave Romney, you know, he makes things interesting for Bruce Arena. Obviously, Romney's a pretty talented center back. He can compete for a starting position. So Bruce Arena has to think, do I stick with my two-man back line, Andrew Farrell, Henry Kessler, and Dave Romney battling it out for starting spots? Or maybe do I go, you know, three-man three, three center back back line, possibly have guys like Dewan Jones, Brandon By moving up a bit more? Uh, so I think both of those new guys, they make life a little bit difficult for Bruce Arena you know, figuring out where they fit into his plans. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point, Sam. I actually, I brought that up last week too. I, I It was kind of a popular... I want to say popular, but you definitely saw it in a few different formations uh, during the World Cup, that three-back line. Um, I know Belgium had played it in the past, and, and uh, I believe Argent, it was Argentina was, was playing it. Um, so uh, do, you, are you, do you think that's a, like a likely possibility? Because I feel like if they were going to move on from Kessler or Farrell as, a, as your starting center backs, that maybe they would have 
made it a bigger deal. I'm not really sure like they would bring in, you know, another center back to replace one or maybe just play beside them. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely interesting. Bruce does seem to kind of favor that, you know, standard two man back line. Uh, but I just think with the talent that Romney has, you know, pairing him with Kessler and Farrell, I think that could be very useful. Obviously, last obviously last season, the team struggled with injuries, whether it be Farrell, whether it be Kessler. And you kind of watched as the back line got decimated and you had, you know, Omar starting games. You have to rely on guys like Christian McCoon. And, you know, you also did lose, you know, a depth piece in John Bell. So, you know, I think if you want to go the depth route, making sure that, you know, you have a consistent group of starting caliber players, maybe you go to that two-man back line. But I think if you want to get the best players on the field, Bruce might have to transition to that three-man back line, making sure you get Romney, Farrell, and Kessler. And then you kind of have to deal with, you know, who's making up your bench. You know, do you have rookies like Andres Uland, you know, possibly coming into the fold? You got Ben Ravino, who spent most of the season with Reds too. Uh, so there's there's interesting quandary both both sides. But I think if you want to get the most talent on the field, you might have to switch that three-man back line. We're talking with Sam Min from the Ben Musket. So let's start. Let's keep it back there in the defense right now. So uh, it's interesting with all these different formation talks. If it is a four-person back line and you do have to pick two, who you got? I think it's really interesting because, uh, you know, Romney's been typically, I believe, on that left side where Henry Kessler is. So I think if you do go for that competition, it's mainly going to be between Dave Romney and Henry Kessler. And, you know, as much as I love Kessler, he had that great first season. I just think due to his performance last season, dealing with the injury issues, uh, I think he might, you know, be facing a steep battle with Dave Romney. Romney's making, I would say, starter money. You know, he's making mm -hmm. definitely more money than Henry Kessler. So there's a significant investment there. So if I had to guess right now, if it is that two-man back line, I think you, you see Dave Romney and Andrew Farrell, and then you have more depth on the bench. You, you can bring in a guy like Kessler you can bring, and, you know, pair him with, you know, Omar Gonzalez or, you know, oh. Christian McCoon on the bench as well. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I'd have to say probably uh, Henry Kessler. Henry Kessler is the odd man out at the moment. So we know Heal and Polster are in the middle. Barrero and you would think Blessing would be on the outsides if we're doing the roster right now. Let's go to Barrero, though. I mean, this is someone that you've covered throughout the offseason. Obviously, we didn't have the uh, exciting start that we all thought he would after going down being injured for the majority of the time he's been here. What are you hearing on Barrero? And should Revs fans be excited to see him this year? Yeah, you know, he definitely looked his usual self, you know, showing that skill uh, when we got to see him. And, you know, I asked Bruce Arena just how important it will be for players like Barrero, obviously, Giacomo Veroni, to have a full preseason under their belt and just really get acclimated to the team and what the team's looking to be in 2023. And, you know, basically to sum it up, he said it's going to be very important because they didn't play as much last season. So, obviously, we've seen it before with Adam Buxa after having a full preseason, a full year in MLS, just seeing him absolutely explode onto the scene. I don't want to put those expectations on Dylan Barrero and Giacomo Veroni, but I think, you know, there's a chance that we see what we expected when they were first acquired and we see a much better version of Giacomo Veroni and Dylan Barrero in 2023. I think it's a good point. It's something that Mike and I have talked about on the show too, is that these guys came in with high expectations and then immediately went out. So how can we really evaluate them, Mike? Because we haven't we haven't seen what even half a season would look like with them playing with one of the best players in the MLS as well. Yeah, and is so absolutely. First of all, I agree with that. Second, um, is that is that an expectation going into the season that as as we stand right now, are we expected to see a fully healthy stat? You know, a starting lineup out there that uh, putting our best players forward. 
Because we pretty much didn't see that outside of like the first yeah, game last year. It was a season briefly. of injuries. It sure seems like it, you know, just from what I've seen, you know, obviously it was just a brief glimpse, but Giacomo Veroni and Don Barrero did not look like, look like they were being held back by anything. So I definitely think they're, they're looking good and are on pace to be at 100%. You know, once the season arrives, just to kind of take it off the field for a second there's some interesting recent moves too on social media with our guy, Andrew Farrell, going from two to 88, Ocho eight, this whole movement. I mean, I'm Sam, still in you're, the, you're in Sam's wheelhouse. I, he loves stuff like I'm that. in the dark on this. So can you fill us in what that what that could possibly be about? So I, I, I got a breakdown of the entire timeline. I asked Dave Romney, you know, you have to offer anything up to get that number two. So Dave Romney told me, he's like, actually, you know, the, the kit man came to me and he's like, what number do you want? Romney said originally he just went with five, but he's like, hey, you know, number two is available. Andrew switched to 88. So Andrew had already switched to 88 before Romney was even acquired. Oh. Uh, so it's interesting to know that. So there was no trade. You know, he doesn't owe him Nashville hot chicken or anything. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's interesting to see that we haven't really gotten a true explanation. I know Farrell uh, spoke on Monday and he said that basically he just wanted to switch it up, uh, get some better juju, you know, hopefully bring some trophies uh, with the new number. But he hasn't explained specifically why 88. So, you know, maybe one day we'll get it. I know I saw Matt Polster uh, posted on Instagram, you know, the Andrew Farrell with his new number, like the wallpaper the team po posted. He's like, what does it mean, Andrew? So it's, it seems like the the questions of why 88 is just really on the minds of players and fans alike. Yeah. Cause he also, he, he put a caption. I think it said like, if you know, you know, so yeah. we're on the outside of something here. We, somebody, we got to get, you know, we got to get to the bottom of this and Sam, you're going to be my guy on this situation. I feel like you, you're able to crack this code. It, this is too uh, complex for my small brain. So uh, eventually when you do crack the code, I'll be, I'll be glued to your Twitter feed to, to figure this whole thing out. I'll try my best, Mike. Uh, definitely looking forward to uh, getting to see Andrew in person and immediately asking him just why the number 88. We're talking with Sam Minton from the Bent Musket. It's New England Soccer Weekly. You've got Nick, you've got Mike D. Tom is off this week. When we come back, we're going to talk a, a little bit more about the revolution, but also get Sam's thoughts on all of this Apple announcing this week with the broadcasting team and what that's going to look like. We'll talk about that next. It is New England Soccer Weekly. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. You've got Nick. You've got Mike D. Tom is off this week. Appreciate you listening on the radio and on the podcast. Make sure to give a five-star review, like, subscribe, tell all your friends. Shout out to Gold TV's Nino Torres that joined us earlier in the show. We're talking with our guy Sam Mitten from the Bent Musket. We broke a lot of different positions down, Sam, in our last segment, but we didn't talk about goalkeeping. So talk about Petrovic and what you've seen from him and anything else going on. Yeah, you know, Petrovic is looking good, you know, just being it, he just looked even amazing just in training. So it's absolutely amazing to see him back in New England. But also, you know, the big news is that he just got called up to the Serbian national team, uh, going to be with them for their January camp. And what's most interesting is that they're playing the United States. So, you know, hmm. possibly we could get a Matt Turner, uh, George A. Petrovic uh, against each other, which would be amazing. It is January camp, so I don't know if, a player like Matt Turner over at Arsenal would make the trip over. It's usually dominated mostly by MLS talent, uh, but it's definitely great to see Georgia Petrovic getting noticed on a national team level after missing out on, you know, some camps early on. They really seem to have noticed just how great he performed uh, with doing them last season. 
Hashtag's going to love that, Mike. Huh? Yeah, I mean, Revs are becoming like a goalie, uh, just turning them out, man. National team keepers. Yeah, and I mean, you know, they got some good good guys also coming up. You got uh, Jacob Jackson. He's recovering from, you know, ACL surgery, but definitely looked great down with Revs, too. A lot of good goalkeepers are coming out. I mean, shout out to Kevin Hitchcock and Yuta Nomura, you know, the top, the first team and also the second team goalkeeping coach. They're doing something right because uh, these goalkeepers have been absolutely amazing. And, you know, with Knight and retiring, you're, you're going to need that depth. You're going to need to add to that depth. You know, God forbid, you know, something was to happen to Petro, uh, you know, at some point in the season, you're going to need to trust that you have somebody behind him that can uh, kind of fill in that role. That Knighton did a great job, you know, over his, his long career. He, he was a really solid backup, and that's going to be a guy that hopefully the Revs don't have to miss too much, but they'll definitely miss, um, you know, for his, for his backup ability. Yeah, it was great. You know, Brad was actually at practice, you know, watching along, so it was great to see him there. And, you know, kudos to Earl Edwards. I was actually, you know, we didn't get to see a lot of uh, George A. Petrich. A lot of the times Earl Edwards was, you know, closest to us. He was looking really good, making some impressive saves. So definitely shout out to Earl Edwards. We're going to move on to all the Apple news, but just to wrap up, Sam, I mentioned the hashtag. This is You live on social media. It's part of your job. You follow all of this. What's the temperature of this fan base right now? Coming off a disappointing season, your thoughts uh, heading into the season on the fan base right now? I'm, I mean, I think the fan base is, is kind of cautious. You know, obviously after 2021, you wanted to come into 2022. You know, not have as great of the season, but, you know, still be able to make it into the playoffs, you know, have guys like oh, maybe Omar, Josie really compete. But you saw those midseason trades, you know, guys like Sebastian Legette. And just it seemed like everything went wrong. It seemed like after a 2021 season where everything went right, just everything went wrong. So right now it seems like, you know, the fans are ca- cautiously optimistic because I think Latif Blessing and Dave Romney will be great signings. But just the fact that they're kind of Bruce guys, you know, especially Romney, you know, being a Bruce guy after bringing Josie and Omar, no one wants to hear that. So I think they're cautiously optimistic, but I think they'll be happy with how the team performs. I would like to think they make the playoffs. I don't if they miss, it would be really disappointing. Uh, so cautiously optimistic is the word for the hashtag. I think that's a fair assessment too. Uh, you know, after such a disappointing year last year, but the moves in this off season seemed so far, you know, I know when, uh, Nacho Hill was, was announced last year, that was a big, you know, controversy, but he did his, he did his part. He, he performed well enough that he, the fan base kind of turned in his favor and he, he got re-signed. So I, I do over, I do feel like overall, the fan base is pretty happy with the moves that were made in this offseason, but the best way to put it, like you said, is just cautiously optimistic. I think so, too, just to expand on that is, you know, even just breaking down the lineup and the names that we've thrown out right now, and and we haven't seen anybody play this upcoming year, but you can see it working, but you just need to see it work. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And don't I mean, don't, you know, don't steal that for the bet musket. I that's that's here. I don't that was a good line. That was a good bar by me. Don't steal that. I got you. I got you. No worries, Nick. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk now about Apple. They announced a new MLS broadcast team with some names that we know very well. But let's start with the overall overview, Sam. Is this going to work? I mean, it has to work, but is it going to work? I mean, it's going to work for MLS no matter what. They already got the money. Uh, they're all secured. So for MLS, they're they're perfectly fine. But I think for fans, it's going to be very interesting, obviously, you know, making that monthly commitment to, you know, subscribe to a service. And when you break it down, if you were to subscribe to, you know, MLS season pass, it's not a crazy amount different than buying season tickets. So do you maybe justify going to the stadium, being there in person? 
compared to doing the streaming, you know, I saw some of the quotes from Apple TV and, you know, one that stuck out to me, it's like, oh, billions of people are going to have access to MLS. And in my head, I'm like, that's great. But I don't think billions of people necessarily are going to tune into MLS just because you have access. You know, I was definitely excited to see guys like Taylor Twelman, Marisa Du, uh, Sasha, uh, BWP. Great to see those guys on the announcing team. A little bit disappointing not to see Charlie Davies on there. Same for my guy, Brad Feldman. Uh, so it's going to be new. It's going to be a project. And, you know, I also want to touch upon, too, uh, Pablo from uh, The Athletic had a great thread of he kind of got a hold of the expectations that teams are going to have in regards to creating content uh, with this new Apple deal. So when it comes to that in the club rooms, uh, specifically, that's what they're called. I think some teams in the league are going to have to have a severe uptick in content. And it's going to stress, put more stress on, you know, the communications team or, you know, the content team. So it's going to be interesting to see how that goes and how maybe that content varies from, you know, team to team in the league. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, you know, a new frontier. And I think we just all have to kind of wait and see how it turns out. I'm a little iffy on it in regards to how it's going to work. Like you said, MLS as a league uh, is not concerned financially because it's set, set in stone. But if there is this whole idea of pushing the league and, and growing the viewership Grow the game. and growing the game and, and you know, and introducing it to a new audience. Yes, the ways of the world are much leaning very much towards streaming services, but do are people going to then pay the extra fee on top of that to get their MLS content? I guess it's to be seen, but I'll be very curious to see what these first year numbers look like. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at it too, you look at over at the USL, you know, you know, uh, Rhode Island FC, you're going to be on ESPN plus, which has so much more content. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a real good opportunity for, you know, Rhode Island FC, you know, you know, Vermont green FC up in Vermont for that USL, you know, pyramid to really make a statement and kind of catch the attention of soccer fans in the United States. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, being able to, you know, pay that subscription, that subscription fee. I mean, hey, I, I hope Apple cuts the check so I don't have to, you know, worry about subscribing myself. I hope they cut you guys a check and media doesn't have to worry about, you know, paying that out of pocket because, you know, it's like we were so used to kind of having this for free and now, you know, everyone has to pay for it. You're kind of providing a product that was for free and now expecting people to pay for it. It's like it's going to be really interesting to see how it comes out. I think it's tough timing, too, because you have the buzz of the World Cup. And Mike and I talked about the same. I'm sure it's the same for you that friends that were like average soccer fans who didn't even care about soccer on our group text. All they were talking about is soccer because of the World Cup. And now you have an opportunity to bring them over to MLS. But none of them are going to pay for it. I know that for once you say if you, if you have Apple TV, you got to pay another 80 bucks on top of that for the year. They're going to say, I'm not doing that at all. Yeah, for sure. And I'm. I mean, just building off the MLS, you should be making the barrier to entry, you know, lower. You should making it, be making it easier for fans to access your content and, you know, tell the stories of all these players and coaches and whoever it may be. And now you're making it much harder. I think the MLS hardcore fan, they gladly might pay, you know, however much it is, you know, when per season to see these guys, their team play and whatever it may be. But when you look to the average fan, maybe you look to a European soccer fan who's just noticing, you know, the MLS they're not going to want to pay for that. They're, they'll find plenty of uh, illegal ways to access MLS games. So allegedly, I I, yeah. allegedly, it's just really tough timing. And it'll be interesting to see how it does affect that run up to the World Cup. That whip around show reminds me kind of like a red zone for MLS. 
And, you know, with the growing interest in sports betting, sports betting becoming legal in, in more states and these apps, that's always going to be a possibility to help the game as well, because people might have interest just based on, you know, the over under. So uh, is that going to get them to subscribe to Apple? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. I would say probably the whip around show is one of the best things to come out of this deal. I think that would be very interesting to watch. And, you know, depending on the personalities you have in there, it can be really good. And I also think the uniform start times, it is good. I'm kind of disappointed we get no more afternoon games. I know our photographer, uh, Dolan, very upset about that because, you know, they mm. provide some shots. Uh, but I think having the uniform start times is good. It will be interesting to see how it goes early on in the season when uh, you're coming to New England, a very cold place, and you're having to play at 7, 7.30. Uh, but I do think it helps, you know, get eyes on the league. You can go from game to game and also have that whip around show. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see... Who- the quality of the broadcast as well. You know, having someone like Brad Feldman calling the game, just his knowledge of the league, knowledge of MLS, and the knowledge of the New England Revolution, you know, he brings that to the broadcast where, you know, if you have, you know, you have Taylor Twelman, but, you know, depending on who you're pairing him with, you won't get that same level. So it'll be interesting to see how the broadcast in general turn out too. Well, one place you can get all the information you need on all things revolution is your website. How can people follow you if they don't know already throughout the season? Yeah, definitely make sure to check out our work at the bent musket.com. Uh, plenty of great stuff. Seth McCumber always dropping Seth bombs, uh, you know, inside reports and definitely, you know, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the bent musket. You can also follow us on Instagram. Same thing. Uh, Dolan convinced me to start that. So you can check us out there. And finally, you can check me out on Twitter at Sam underscore Minton 22. Sam, thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you throughout the season. Thanks, Sam. Right, thank you, guys. We'll have more on New England Soccer Weekly. We'll close out the show next. Final segment on the second show of 2023, New England Soccer Weekly. You've got Nick. You've got Mike D. Tom is off. Again, big thank you to all of our guests today. Mike, Gold TV's Nino Torres, our guy Sam Minton from the Bet Musket. Definitely follow both of them. A nice international view to start that we brought it back home. It's just yeah. what we do here right now. Well, listen, New England Soccer Weekly, but we're all over the world, baby. Let's go back out all over the world with this news about Zinedine Zendane. Apparently approached for the U.S. soccer head coaching position. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because it's I, I like the idea of the United States kind of branching out a little bit and, and looking at a big name like Zidane. And uh, apparently the president of uh, France, the football federation over there in France, wasn't too keen of this whole situation. He says, I don't give a damn. He can go wherever he wants. Uh, and that obviously did not get a really good reaction from most of the football world, but also. Mbappe himself said Zidane is France. We don't res- disrespect the legend like that. So uh, outside of the possibility of him being a coach he, here in the United States. disrespected for being asked to coach our country? Well, the, the, apparently the French uh, president of the Football Federation there doesn't give a damn. And he's already come out and apologized for his words. I think he should because Zidane is a god in France. But the idea of him coaching the United States is cool. It's it's a cool it's a cool prospect. I don't know if he would do it um, at this point. But does that headline pique someone else's interest that say, oh, if they're if they want him, well, maybe they want me. It could. You know, I, I there was some names. Um, I know Steven Gerrard, who's a former English uh, you know player, play, 
legend at Liverpool. His name has been thrown around for some international teams. Uh, Andrea Pirlo, an Italian legend, his name has been thrown has been thrown around for some other international teams. But it just really just comes down to uh, do the United States as a football federation here want to expand outside of the United States world? Uh, well, I heard you heard world. Nino say that with the players on the field, why maybe that's a methodology or should be for what's on the sideline as well. It could be, and it'll be a very interesting. We know that they have some um, camp coming up in in the next couple of weeks. Here, uh, we do know Berhalter will not be there for that as this investigation continues um, and they make the decision on whether or not to bring him back full-time as a United States coach. Uh, but it's going to be interesting because we can't stress enough. We're about three and a half years out from the next world cup being hosted here partially in the United States. So you would like to think that they have a few years to kind of build up a coach and a team for their country to believe in. And uh, a name like Zidane would, would, would be that name, I think. And if you miss it on the radio show, definitely go back and listen to the podcast because we asked Nino Torres his thoughts about the U.S. team, what they did in the World Cup and what they're looking like. And it was an interesting international perspective, Mike, because, I mean, it is our country, so we are clouded covering this team. He didn't hold back at all about his assessment of what it is here. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really good in Insight. It's it's always good because as people who cover this sport in this country, we have a natural bias that those that cover the sport outside of this country don't. You know, they do they do understand the power that the United States and then the people here have to influence a sport, you know, financially growing it, getting more eyes on it. But they also understand how how much we still lack in competing with some of the powerhouses all over the world. So it was really good uh, hearing that bit of insight. And uh, man, I really hope that you guys enjoyed today's show because we sure did. It's great being able to get different perspectives uh, and also still be able to bring it back home and with an insider like Sam, Tom, somewhere lost in Gillette Stadium. We He, he was giving us some insight about Tom. I, I don't, we can't even talk about that. Right we're just going to might even be out there by the time this airs. Yeah, but. we're going to have to catch up with that guy. He's been he's been a busy bee. So he's down at Gillette. So we'll have more content for you guys. And uh, what a show it was today. So, again, big thanks to our guest today. Gold TV's Nino Torres. The Ben Muskets, Sam Minton. We'll be back next week with a new show. Back next week, another full week of soccer. Big weekend this weekend when it comes to uh, some big matchups in domestic leagues. I know in Portugal is a big rivalry match in England as well. So we'll be catching up with all that stuff next week with you guys. Thank you for joining us today. For Tom Quinlan, that's Mike DeSilva. I'm Nick Giuliano, New England Soccer Weekly on 790 The Score. Have a great rest of your Saturday morning, and thanks for listening. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.